Now this morning we're reconcluding our series called ER. If you were here last weekend, I said we're concluding our series, but I changed my mind. Is that all right? I felt, after further thought, I felt like uh, there was further business to take care of. Just in the way that the week went, things I was dealing with, I felt like there was one more topic I wanted to cover before we finished. So hopefully I'm not lying to you this morning. We are concluding our series. Amen? Is that all right with y'all? Well, whether it's all right or not, this is the only message I got right here, you know? So here we go, right? So this morning I want to talk about resolving conflict in relationships. One of the most important skills that you can learn in life is the skill of resolving or mending broken relationships. It really is. You know, some people are experts at starting conflict, but we need to be experts at resolving conflict. Are y'all still with me out there? You know, the ability to resolve a conflict and restore broken relationships is one of the greatest life skills that you could ever learn. You know, what is, why is it so important? Because, you know, being able to get along with people will cause you to experience extraordinary relationships. You know, listen, everybody uh, in relationships has problems, has misunderstandings, has disagreements, right? Even extraordinary relationships have bumps in the road. Y'all agree with that? If you don't, come on, get in touch with reality here, right? It's inevitable. Whenever you get in relationships, I mean, when you read the Bible, the very beginning of the Bible, there's relationship problems, right? I mean, it took just a few verses and there you go. Conflict. But we'll have conflict in our, in our uh, work relationships. We'll have conflict, of course, in our marriage relationship. We'll have conflict in, uh, in, in, in the relationships between parents and children. Just because they are our children or we're their parents, it doesn't mean we're always going to get along, right? We'll have conflict uh, even in relationships right here in the church. Where they got one person on this side of the room not talking to that person on that side of the room. Because they're in conflict. And the problem is all of us experience conflict in our relationships. The problem is most of us have never been taught how to resolve conflict in a healthy way. Most of us have never seen it modeled. In fact, we've seen just the opposite. We've seen what what unhealthy conflict resolution is like. Most of us have. But this morning, I want to talk about how to resolve conflict in a healthy way. We need to learn this skill. Why? Well, there's three reasons. Number one is unresolved conflict blocks my relationship with God. You know, sometimes we disassociate our relationship with others and our relationship with God. Say, no, God loves me and I love God. So this has nothing to do with God. Every relationship that you're in has everything to do with your relationship with God. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. You know, I think one of the litmus tests of how much we love God is how much we love others, even our enemies. Let me say that again. I think one of the litmus tests of how much we truly love God is how much we love others, even our enemies. Right? 
What is God saying here? You cannot be in harmony with God and be out of harmony with people in your life. It's impossible. Right? The Bible says, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Our vertical and horizontal relationships always intersect. You can't disassociate them. So every time I get in a fight with somebody, my fellowship with God is getting broken or hindered. And so sometimes there are God-loving, God-fearing people that don't understand this. You can't just chew somebody up and spit them out and then get in the presence of God. I love you, Lord. No, I think we got to get it right. The second reason we need to learn how to resolve conflict is unresolved conflict hinders our prayer. If you were part of the Teach Us to Pray series, we mentioned this, but fighting with people keeps me from getting answers to my prayer. In 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, as heirs with you from the, of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, Peter says how a husband treats his wife can hinder his prayers from getting answered. In other, way, in other words, staying in conflict with your wife can cause your prayers to go unanswered. So now, don't you think it's also true of not just husband-wife relationships, but all relationships? How we treat each other has everything to do with how our, our prayers are answered? Yeah, I think so. If we're constantly living in conflict with other people, we're not going to be nearly as effective in our prayer life as we would like to be. The third reason we need to learn how to resolve conflict is unresolved conflict hinders my joy and my happiness. Have you noticed how hard it is to be happy when you have conflict in your life? Have you noticed how, how hard it is to be joyful? I've heard it said, when conflict comes through the front door, happiness and joy goes through the back door. Right? Proverbs 17.1, listen to this. A dry crust eaten in peace is better than a steak every day, along with argument and strife. Come on, Cheerios with peace is better than a ribeye when you're in strife, right? It matters not how much personal success you have. You'll never truly have joy and happiness. You could be in the, uh, you know, you could be in the, in the beach in Florida. You could be in Tahiti. You could be in, you know, I don't, I don't know, Fiji. It doesn't matter where you are. If you've got strife going on in your life, it's really not going to be that much fun. It's really true. If your relationships stink, your life will stink as well. I know that's deep theology right there, but I'm telling you. James 3.18 says, And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness. This is the law of sowing and reaping. If you learn to plant the seeds of peace in your relationships, you will reap the harvest of goodness in your life, the harvest of joy and of happiness. Listen, God blesses those who learn to plant seeds of peace. So then how do you resolve conflict in your relationships? I want to give you six biblical steps in resolving conflict in your relationships. Now listen, in a room this size with as many people in here, I have a sneaky suspicion that there's at least a little bit of conflict somewhere in somebody's life that is here today. And if you're not, take notes or get, get the notes before you go because you might need this tomorrow. Or in fact, whenever you get in your car, right? The first step is this. Take the initiative to resolve the conflict. That's the first step. How many of you know conflict is never resolved when you run from the problems? 
Conflict is never resolved when you sweep them, the problems under the rug and pretend that they don't exist. Conflict is only resolved when someone takes the initiative to try to resolve conflict, right? You know, those of you that are familiar with the Eldridges, they did the love and respect uh, teaching. And they, they wrote a whole book. They do a whole marriage conference on it. By the way, I forgot all about the life group sign. There's people walking around here with lanyards. They're hosting a life group. There's three, I think there's three or four of them on marriage and parenting. They're relationship building small groups. I encourage you to take part of that, right? But in, in the book, in their book called Love and Respect, they said, you know, the husband's number one need is respect. The, the wife's number one need is love. And the problem is whenever the husband doesn't love his wife, she disrespects her husband. And so he quits loving her. And there's this vicious cycle. You don't love me. I don't respect you. And it's on this vicious cycle. And you got to break that cycle. And so then the question is, how do you break that vicious cycle? And they say to us, they say, the one who is more mature breaks the cycle. Who's going to break the cycle? Somebody has to take the initiative to be the peacemaker. You know, there's five ways you can face conflict. There's the skunk method. And just sprays up the entire room by being very defensive, blame-shifting, verbal about the conflict. And then there's the, the, trouble, the, the turtle method. The turtle method just crawls into their shell, withdraws, and hides their true feelings. Anything just to avoid an argument. And then there's the pit bull method. And that, those are the ones that are aggressive, demanding, and controlling. And they have to have the, the upper hand and have the last word. And then there is the golden retriever method, which is those who take the initiative to face the problem, try to resolve the conflict, and promote peace instead of hostility. Which one are you? What's your method? Listen, when, when it comes to conflict and relationship, God expects us to be peacemakers. And he expects us to take the initiative to try to resolve the conflict. Now, it says, the Bible says, as much as it is in your power to be at peace with everybody, but some of us don't use any of our power to be at peace with people. It's very quiet in here. Matthew 5.23, listen to this. If you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. God says reconciliation with people takes priority over even worship. When you come to the temple to pray, when you come to the temple to worship, when you come to the temple to give your offerings, whatever it is, when you come to church to worship God, he says, if you remember you got, if you got a relationship out of sorts, you need to first make that right and then come and worship God. Have you ever had a fight with your spouse on the way to church like Tanya and I have? Come on, how many of you ever had a conflict even the way? You know, listen, the Lord says, it would be better for us to sit in our car and make it right than to come in here and begin to lift our hands and worship God. Come on, how many of you know that's important? I think what Jesus is saying here is this. It doesn't matter if you're the offended or if you're the offender. We should take the initiative to resolve conflict. Listen, the devil is the author of conflict, y'all. How many of you know the devil wants strife? 
He wants, he wants arguing. He wants fighting. He wants conflict. He's the author of it. God came to bring peace. He came to resolve the hostility between the Jew and the Greek and, and the, and the, the, the free. And the, come on, Jesus came to bring peace. Amen. And we are to be like Jesus, right? So we need to take the initiative to reconcile relationships that are in conflict. Because in God's eyes, our reconciling our relationships is more important than basically our worship. So the second step in resolving conflict in relationships, first we take the initiative, but number two is take responsibility for your part in the conflict. Now, not every conflict we're in is our fault, right? Come on, that's a good place to say amen, yes. But listen, instead of, instead of accusing, attacking, and blaming others for their part in the conflict, how about we take the humble step of owning up to and confessing our part in the conflict? Listen, even if it's 90% somebody else's or 95 or 99% of somebody else's part, there's always a slight chance that we might have had something to do with it. I mean, it's a slight chance, right? I mean, for some of us, it's a very, very slight chance, right? But the fact is everybody has blind spots in their life. Nobody is perfect. Regardless of how, how highly we think of ourselves. nobody is perfect. In fact, Romans 3.23 says, for everyone has sinned and falls short of God's glorious standard. Hey, you know what the Greek word for all is, right? Say to everybody, right? The Bible says, all have sinned and, and we all have blind spots and fall short of God. You listen, you know what a blind spot is? A blind spot is something that we can't see. I mean, just the other day, you know, I put, I put this gel in my hair to try to make it dark because it's getting highlights, these gray highlights. And, uh, and I put this gel, you know, and, and I, you know, put it on your hands, you put it in your hair, uh, you know, and I'm trying to keep my youth, you know, and, uh, and so I put some, some gel in my hair, and at the end of the day, I got home and I felt this real sticky something or other. And I said, Tanya, something's real sticky back here. And she said, yeah, it's blue. That's your hair gel. I put this glob of hair gel. But listen, it was a blind spot. I went throughout the day, and I never even knew it. Some of, some of you got some stickiness in your hair, too. And you're going throughout your life, and you don't even know it. So listen, before we just quick to blame shift, and we just make a, lit, we make a scroll of how many problems other people have that we're in conflict, how about we stop and we just own up? The Bible says we all sin. Our natural tendency is to focus only on other people's faults and not to focus on our own. That's our natural tendency. But listen what, what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. He said in Matthew 7, Why do you notice the little piece of dust in your friend's eye, but you don't notice the big piece of wood in your own eye? Now, I don't know if you ever heard of this, but this was meant to be a joke. It was Greek humor. It was Hebrew humor. It was biblical humor. And they used exaggeration. It's like, oh, that's so funny. And so he's saying, listen, sometimes we focus on the dust in somebody else's eye 
as we look beyond the, the log that's in our eye. Verse 4, he says, how can you say to a friend, let me take the little piece of dust out of your eye. Look at yourself. You still have that big piece of wood in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the wood out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the dust out of your friend's eye. Jesus encouraging us to focus on our own faults and shortcomings instead of everybody else's. Listen, here's, here's some good questions to ask ourselves when we, we're going through a conflict with somebody. Am I being unrealistic, too demanding, insensitive, or oversensitive, too controlling? Am I being ungrateful? Am I being selfish? Ask questions about our own behavior and our own character. The fact is our natural, normal human nature is to be selfish, to be prideful, to be self-centered, to be stubborn, to be insecure, and to be unwilling and unflexible and not wanting to change. Listen, more relationships die from our fleshly, carnal behavior than anything else. See, the issue of selfishness demands your way. The issue of pride has to be right, has to have the last word, and has to win the argument. The issue of fear and insecurity, we have to be in control, we have to be in charge of everything, or if we're not, we're, we're just, we're out of sorts. Or we're fearful of revealing our true feelings and even admitting that we might be wrong. But we gotta get over that. We gotta get over that. More relationships die because of our cornal, fleshly character than anything. And so, you know, every time I get in a conflict with somebody, I have to first examine myself. What part did I play in this conflict? And, but listen, on the other hand, more relationships are healed when we take personal responsibility. Listen, words, when we say words like, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you said, I was wrong? If you have trouble saying, I was wrong, that's a good sign that you need some work here, right? I'm, I'm being selfish. I was only thinking about myself. That's why I acted. That's why I reacted the way that I did. Relationships are healed when we take responsibility for our part in the conflict. The third step in resolving conflict is learn to discern and value the emotional part of your relationships. And we talked about this, but to get better in resolving conflict in relationships, you have to pay attention to people's responses. You have to learn to discern and value the emotional responses to those that were in relationship. Why? Because our emotional response tell us a lot about what's going on inside of us. You know, one time we went to eat at a restaurant and we didn't, we didn't realize this, but we went to eat and the restaurant was about to close. We didn't know that. And then, and so, you know, the waiter comes to the table and they're very rough and like, like we're imposing upon them because we came to this restaurant and they're just like, what do you want to drink? You know, and it's like, you know, well, we don't have that. You know, it's like, it's like, golly, you get alive, smile, be happy, just enjoy life, you know? And then it dawned on us, oh, wait a minute. We showed up when they were about to close the restaurant down. Oh, no. We, need to be considerate of them, right? But see, the emotional response that we were getting out of the waiter was a reaction to our behavior. So sometimes you got to worry, you got to pay attention to people's emotional response because it can be a huge indicator of something that's going on deeper in the relationship. Does that make sense? 
Because people are emotional, they respond to us a lot. Their response, their emotional response, tell us a lot about what's going on inside of them. It doesn't matter if it's your spouse, your children, or your coworkers, or your friends at church. Listen, when people feel threatened, unloved, unvalued, disrespected, neglected, you will always have a negative emotional response. And so when people are not treated right, they get mad or they get sad or they shut down or they get discouraged or they get depressed or they even will get verbally harsh and critical. And sometimes we just pay attention to what's coming out of them, but we don't consider what's causing them to respond the way that they are, they're doing. And so people's unhealthy emotional response are indicators of something deeper that's going on in the relationship. So if you want to restore and mend broken, damaged relationships, you have to find out, you have to find out why they are emotionally responding the way that they are, which means you have to shift your focus off of yourself and start thinking about their needs instead of your own. And see, many conflicts never resolve because we never shift our focus onto the other person. All we do is worry about our own. I just said hi and you acted like that. I just came to this restaurant to eat and and you're being ugly and you're you're just being unrealistic. And so why? Well... We were about to shut the doors and you came in here and ordered all this food and I was about to go to my house. Does that make sense? How do you help heal hurts and restore broken relationships? We covered this last week, but it's healthy communication. James 1.19, remember, understand this, dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. To find out why someone is hurt, you have to first listen to what they're saying. Somebody said God gave us two ears and one mouth. You know why? For a couple of reasons. So we can listen twice as much as we speak. Yeah. But it's also so we can hear as well as validate the hurt that is in someone's life. And then we can correct our behavior that's hurting others. You know, this is good stuff right here. This is really good stuff. Learning to discern and validate and listen to someone's emotional hurt is a major key to diffusing conflict in a relationship. The fourth step in resolving conflict in a relationship is to seek first to be under, uh, seek first to, to understand before being understood. There's a, there's a, I, I did a, I had done a typo right here. You first seek to understand before being understood. And again, our most common human response when we're having a a heated discussion and a fight with someone is to first be understood. Yeah, but let me tell you what I'm, let me tell you how I feel. Let me tell you what, let me tell you, let me tell you my side. And we want to make a strong case about how it affected us and how we feel. We want people to know why, what, when, and how we're feeling about that situation. Our perspective is more important than anybody else's perspective. But to mend relationships, we have to consider others' perspective. 
We have to be willing to see other people's point of view. We have to first seek to understand before making our strong point of being understood. We have to understand what's going on in their life, what they're thinking. Like the, like the waitress at the, at the restaurant. You know, I wanted them to understand I'm here to pay some good money to pay for a good meal and you're being ugly to me. But if I would have taken the time to understand what they were going through, they might have had plans right after they got off of work and I just blew their plans out of their wall, out of the water. So we have to first seek to understand. We have to attempt to find out why, what, when, and how they're feeling about the situation that's going on in our relationship. You have to intentionally shift your perspective and focus off of yourself and on other people. Here's what Philippians 2 says. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Paul says we should look out first for the, not just our own interest, but look out for the the interest of others. What does that mean? That word look out means the word scopos which means uh, looking closely or intently in something like a microscope or a telescope. It's, it's looking, looking closely. And so Paul's encouraging us to stop focusing and concerning ourselves with our own needs and start thinking about why they're acting like that, why they're reacting like that. And so he's encouraging us to shift our perspective so that we can make some, some headway. Listen, validating other people's perspectives and viewpoints, I've come to realize is so important. It's so important. Sometimes all people need to know is that we care about how they feel. I don't, I don't, is there crickets? Am I hearing crickets? Cricket, cricket, cricket. Come on, y'all with me this morning? If you're with me, say amen. The fifth step to resolving conflict in relationships is speaking truth in love. The key here is in love. As we said last week, healthy communication is necessary for extraordinary relationships to develop. What's healthy communication? Healthy communication is being truthful. It's being honest. It's being open, right? It's being, it's sharing how you feel. It's sharing what's going on in your life. And some of us, we can't resolve conflict because we've, we're the turtle. And, 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 and things that's happening is, 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 is hurting us, is, is irritating us. So we're, we're not happy about it. And we just don't say anything. And all of a sudden, when we finally say something about it, buddy, you better not be in the line of fire. Cause you're going to get gunned down, right? But listen, healthy communication is being truthful and honest. And being transparent about what's going on in our heart. But it's doing it in love. There's a difference between saying what's on your heart, sharing what's going on in your life, and doing it in love. If our communication is not done in love, it will further damage our relationships. You know, and sometimes we have the idea that if I just cut them, then maybe I'll get them to do what I want them to do. But that never works. Have you noticed? That never works. Ephesians 4.15 says this, speaking the truth with love will grow up in every way into Christ. So who is the head? Speaking truth and love means we should never use truth, listen, as a club to beat somebody over the head. We should never use truth as a club. The truth is, bam, ouch. 
I couldn't hear that truth because my head's hurting, right? So here's, here's a good quote. You'll never be persuasive when you're abrasive. You'll never be a persuasive when you're abrasive. You'll never get your point across when you're cross, when you're grumpy. You won't get your, your point across. Proverbs 12, 18 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. If you want to heal relationships, you have to speak truth tactfully, and you got to wrap it in love, right? you got to wrap it in love. The problem is many times truth is spoken, but it's not in love, and hearts are pierced, and relationships are damaged, and they never get healed. Ephesians 4.29 says this, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So in other words, listen, don't use angry words to intimidate someone. Like we think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say this and I'm going to say it with volume and I'm going to say it with power and I'm going to intimidate you. That never works. Don't use malicious words with the intent to hurt someone. Oh yeah, well let me tell you. And we tell them, right? And so don't use slanderous words to cut people down and to make yourself look good. Don't use insulting, name calling, belittling and cutting words. Those never, those never resolve conflict in a relationship. How many of you have learned that and try that and you say, amen, right? Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of fools pour out folly. If you want to resolve conflict in your relationships, start using kind, good, helpful words because those heal relationships. In other words, speak truth. In love. The sixth step in resolving conflict is to pursue reconciliation and restoration in every relationship. The goal in every relationship is to be in harmony and peace with each other. Now, again, the Bible says, as much as it is in your power, be at peace with all men. Listen, some people... They will never get along with people until they're no longer around people, right? I mean, it's just, it's just true. But our goal as children of God, our goal should always be reconciliation. And you know what helps me to remember whenever I'm encouraging and I'm stirring up and I'm just creating conflict, I'm acting just like the devil. Because that's who he is. He likes, to, he likes to divide. He likes to get people to fight. But whenever I'm trying to be a peacemaker, I'm always acting like God. Remember what the Bible says in Matthew 5, 9? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Not wearing a t-shirt, not saying praise God, hallelujah, glory to be. No, what, what really reflects that we're children of God, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Amen. 
You know what our calling as Christians are is, is to resolve conflict and restore strained relationships. To be, listen, to throw wet blankets on fires, not start fires, not start relational fires. And listen, we got to remember this, that if I fight with people at work and I fight with people in my family and I fight with people in my neighborhood and I fight people in, in the church, if I fight everywhere I go, the problem is not with the rest of the world. I am, I or the problem. Amen. It's raining out there. Have you noticed? So I'm just going to keep preaching. I got another 20 minutes, half hour. Is that all right? I'll just keep going. Is that okay? Until the rain stops. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm coming, coming down to the end right here. I need to use persuasive words, right? And so listen, we're never more like Christ than when we do what we can to make peace with others. And, and here's another caveat that we need to remember about this. You know, you know, the Bible says do good to those, especially those that are in, in the faith. And you know, as Christians, we got to be very careful about how we treat each other at church. Because the enemy will try to get people offended in church. And then if they get offended in church and they stay out of church, the devil has them exactly where he wants them. And see, so we need to do everything in our power. We need to, we need to do everything in our power to be peacemakers, to try to make relationships work. And I'm telling you, man, I would rather eat Cheerios like, like that proverb that says it's better to, it's better to eat crust in the corner of the attic than to live with a contentious wife, a quarrelsome wife. Well, that, you could say that the same thing with a husband. It would be better to eat crust, it could, Cheerios in the attic than to eat a steak on the dining room table whenever there's conflict in the house. Folks, we need to be, we need to resist conflict. I'm telling you. Whenever people are in conflict, they become weaker. The enemy works. The enemy comes in. The Bible says in Ephesians, listen, be angry, but don't sin. Don't go, let, don't let the sun go down on you angry and don't give the devil a foothold. We don't want to give the devil an inch of a foothold. We want to bind him up. We want to break his power and break his hole. Amen. And then the opposite is true. The Bible says that the, the, the command is that how, how good and how pleasant it is when brethren, when families, when loved ones dwell together in unity. The Bible says it's like the oil coming down Aaron's beard. There the Lord commands the blessing. I want the blessing of God in my marriage. I want the blessing of God in my family. I want the blessing of God in my workplace. I want the blessing of God in my church. And the way I get the commanded blessing of God in my life is to be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. Come on, are y'all with me out there? And so listen, if Bob wants to start a fight with you at work, pass up the opportunity. Just go ahead and pass. Just take the, put your hat in your hand and say, God bless you. And you just walk right away. Amen. You don't have to fight. Remember, what causes fights is our pride. Is our selfishness? I mean, if you just stop right there, those two things, I've noticed whenever I get in a fight with somebody and I go through those, that list, pride and selfishness, I'm guilty of one of them at least and usually two of them, right? Most fights I get into is not other people's faults. It's my fault. Yeah, but they said, yeah, but what, the way you responded. 
Right? I know they said, but the way that you responded. Whenever I get to heaven, I'm not going to be responsible for what people said to me. But what I will be responsible for is how I reacted to what people said to me. Now look, look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.18. It's about to stop raining. We're almost done. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sin against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. God has given every one of us as Christians the ministry of reconciliation. Now, reconciliation, of course, is when people are not in right relationship with God, we help them get in right relationship with God, right? But I don't believe, you know, how many of you know that many times the scripture has more than one, one uh, purpose? It has more than one message. I believe God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. When somebody's fighting, we're not to go throw gas on that fight. We're to try to help them get along. We're to try to help them get have peace, right? So I'm telling you, we're always going to have conflict as long as we're in this world, as long as we're in relationship. I mean, the best, the most loving husband and wife, they'll have disagreements. They, they'll have sharp disagreements. There's going to be a fight. I mean, Tanya and I, it's just, it's amazing. We're getting along so good. Like, man, we, we've, you know, love each other so much. And then, man, it's just so, I can just cause a fight with Tanya so quick. I know that's hard for you to believe, but it's true. Have you found that? That it's just like things can be going so well. And it's just like, oh my goodness, why did I say that? Why did I do that? But you know what? I can also be the more mature one in relationships and take responsibility and try to mend the relationship and try to resolve the relationship of conflict and be a peacemaker. Would you stand with me? And as I finish praying, it's going to stop raining. Now, you know, this last passage of Scripture we just read about God giving us the ministry of reconciliation. And, and the Bible says there in that, in that passage in 2 Corinthians 5 that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. You know what that tells me? That there's no way that God could reconcile the world unless he was really good at forgiving. He could never reconcile the world to himself without being really good at forgiving. I think the most important key for you and I to, to be in the ministry of reconciliation is to be forgiving, not counting men's sins against them. You know, whenever you get married, you think, man, this person is going to make my life so good. They are the best. And then you smell their breath in the morning and you're like, oh my goodness. They're not nearly as good as I thought. Right? I mean, that's human nature. That's, that's relationship. You know, listen, you know, you've heard the saying, 
Hurting people hurt people and are easily hurt by people. It's the truth. You know, the more hurt we are, the more we get easily hurt, the more we hurt others. So we need healing in our own hearts and we need to first forgive we need to forgive. Listen, they might be somebody in here today. You know, I was talking to a sister here in church not long ago. She hadn't talked to her sister in years. And they're praying and fasting. She decided, man, it's time to make men's. And they're, they're in the process of reconciling that relationship. We do funerals all the time. And, and half the family's on one side of the parlor. Half of the family's on the other side of the parlor because they don't get along. You go to weddings and you have half the people. Oh, I thought this was that bride's. Oh, well, oh, yeah, well, it's mixed up, right? Because there's fighting. There's, there's quarreling. There's, there's the, I mean, there's, there's fighting between the Republicans and the, and the Democrats and the, the conservative and the liberals and the, you know, and the, you know, they're, we're fighting because of our skin color and, and there's fighting because of all kinds of, you know, you just you throw out an opinion out there and, and man, you're going to get it because people are just full of just animosity and then we need reconciliation like never before and I think you and I, we can't change the world but we can change it a little bit by taking responsibility for our part in it and be a peacemaker anywhere and everywhere we go in Jesus' name right? Amen. Amen. Would you bow your head? Let me pray with you this morning. Now, if you're here today and you say, Todd, you know, I, I, uh, I want to be a peacemaker. Listen, some of us are like porcupines. Everywhere we go, we stick people. We just, we have trouble building relationships. Some of us are like an abused dog. The only kind of relationships we can develop are abusive relationships. We struggle with relationships. Sometimes, listen, sometimes the reason we struggle with relationships it's because we don't have peace with God. We've never reconciled our relationship with God. And if you're here today and you've never, you've never reconciled your relationship with God, you've never asked Him to forgive you of your sins, you've never asked Him to come into your heart, you've never surrendered your life to be a Christian, today's a great day to start. Because you really can't, you really can't manage relationships until you have the power of God operating in your life. So if you're here today and you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I don't know for sure that I'm a Christian, but I don't want to leave here without knowing for sure. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you just indicate that by just raising your hand and I want to pray a special prayer for you. Just raise it up and hold it up so I can see it. I want to make sure that I want to pray with you. Just raise your hand. Okay, I don't see any hands going up. So that means that every one of us have a ministry called reconciliation. Amen. Father, I pray right now for marriages, for relationships between parents and children, between siblings, brothers and sisters and, 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 uh, and parents and, 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 uh, and, and their siblings. And we pray right now for relationships at the workplace and, and, and Lord, even in church and, and in the neighborhood. Lord, we want to be, Lord, we want to learn how to resolve conflict. We can't truly enjoy happiness and, and truly have joy in our life without resolving conflict in our life. So I pray the grace of God over this congregation today. Lord, help us, Lord, to be quick to, to forgive and, uh, and uh, take responsibility, Lord. Help us, God, to just be, Lord, just, uh, Lord, peacemakers, Lord, everywhere we go and with everything we do. Lord, we love you today. We honor you and we thank you, Lord, for being, a, a Lord, a reconciler and allowing us to be in relationship with you. 
We love you. We honor you. We bless you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. If not, God bless you. Have a great day. You're dismissed.